Well, good morning. Wow, that was really sad this morning. All right. All right, y'all have no excuse. Like, it is not raining right now. It's only halfway cloudy today. All right, so how are you doing this morning? Good morning. Morning. Well, welcome to Fellowship National. My name is Phil. I'm the lead pastor here, and we are so glad you're here with us this morning. And before we jump into our study time this morning, we want to spend a few moments um, to celebrate some of our very own. Um, as many of you know, especially if you come to the second service, we usually have a horde of college students over here. And uh, we have one of our very first graduating classes uh, this morning. And so we wanted to take some time to honor them. And so I wanted to invite our graduating seniors to come forward uh, this morning. So would you all come up um, to my right and to my left? Now, for, for those of you who may not know, um, these are our graduating seniors. And so we have Grace Lou, Chelsea Janda, and then we have Teo. Teo Lee? I got it right. I got it right by memory. Um, and so they have been with us, and they have been such a blessing. I've got to know each, of, each and every one of them. We've had coffee. We've been over to our house. They've helped us paint, and they've just been such a blessing, I know, to our family and to our church. And so we are so excited that uh, throughout this college journey, that we have been your church home and the ways that we pray that we've been a blessing to you and we will acknowledge the ways you've been a blessing to us. Now, I want to especially have a shout out to these two young ladies over here. Now, I don't know if you remember, but we started from scratch back in 2016 and very shortly after, it was these two ladies who began showing up. Chelsea came and then Grace came and then they began inviting their friends and so our college ministry and this ragtag group of college students we have really go back to these women. And so we want to thank you for being the pioneers who took a shot on this brand new church and began inviting your friends. And so we love you all. And I really am thinking that you need to go to grad school here in Nashville, forget all of your like, future plans and just keep on keeping on because... <laughs> But we want to just take a moment as a congregation and just to pray over you and your future. We know that these past four years have been some of the most formative of your life, and we don't know where your journey is going to go from here. Um, you've got plans immediately. Some are some still up in the air, um, but we know that God is leading and going before you, and we are so thankful that we've been a part of that journey, and we pray um, that that journey will bring you back at some point to be with us in our midst. And so um, I want to invite everyone to join me as we pray for Grace and Chelsea and Teo and uh, give thanks for them and pray for their journey. Let's pray together. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, moments like this are bittersweet because we are reminded of the bitterness of partings when portions of chapters and of uh, parts of our journeys transition, and they are hard, and yet at the same time, it is sweet, where we see the men and women before us and how you have been forming them over these past four years. We've watched them as they've grown, as they've struggled, as they've served, and Lord, we are so thankful to be a small part of the story that you're writing in their lives. And so, Father, as uh, they uh, are about to put on that cap and gown and to receive that diploma, Lord, we pray um, that they would go forth also in the bittersweet of the parting, 
that they would look back in fondness upon how you met them and formed these past four years, the people they met, and then also with great excitement for what you're going to do in and through them. Lord, these are stellar men and women. And Lord, they are brilliant, they are strong, and they are a joy to be around. And Lord, we pray that you would bless them on their journey, that they would go forth um, in the confidence that is given to them in Jesus Christ and who they are and how you form them and equip them. And Lord, that they would be dependent upon them as they go through every step along the way. And so Lord, we give, them, give you thanks for them, for we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Let's show our appreciation for them this morning. While we're at it, we want to give a gift to each of you. Here y'all go. If you already have it, share it with a friend. All right. <laughs> yeah, I just put my name. I signed it for you. No, I don't think I did not. All right. Uh, thank you, guys. Uh, well, this morning, we are jumping back into the Gospel of John. And so throughout the series, we have been looking at the person of Jesus Christ, who he is, and the difference that it makes in our life. Because John wrote, the purpose of this book was that believing in him, we would find life in his name. And so we have been praying through this, that you would find life in Jesus. And let's pray what we'll experience here together this morning. And so I want to invite you, if you have your Bibles, to grab them and to turn to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. We're going to be dealing with verses 1 through 21 this morning. And I'm going to invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's word. Something we do around here is a, is a sign of honor um, as we come to listen to his word to us this morning. So hear now the word of God. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, for they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand. And cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me. Because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, 
These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? The word of our Lord, you may be seated. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, speak to us now. May your sheep hear your voice clearly. Lord, may we respond quickly. Lord, speak to us now, for we ask in Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you, but when I look back at some of my perspectives and taste as a child, I'm often a little perplexed. I mean, there was a day when I thought that McDonald's was the gold standard for hamburgers, right? I mean, there was a day when I thought that a Pontiac Fiero was the coolest car invented by man. There was even a day that I am ashamed to say when I thought Carmen was rap royalty, all right? If you don't know who Carmen is, do yourself a favor and Google him after the service, and you'll see just how misled I actually was. And I have to ask the question, why did I think that? Well, the answer is, I didn't know any better because I never experienced anything better. You see, but when I did, that the difference between the two was unmistakable. You see, in our morning's passage, Jesus is explaining why, when you really see Jesus for who he is, the difference is unmistakable. Because he's not just a shepherd. He is the good shepherd. But we have to ask ourselves the question, what does that mean? Now, now for us, shepherding is a fairly foreign reality. But we have to remind ourselves that in first century Israel, shepherding was about as normal as walking the dog or to cutting your grass. It was a normal part of their everyday lives. And so it would be an image that resonated with them and they had a depth of understanding. You see, Israel had a long-standing history with shepherding. We find it all the way back in the book of Genesis with Abel. Later we read of Jacob and Moses and of David all being shepherds. And over time, God began to use this as an illustration and as an image referring to leadership. First, concerning himself. That God said that he was his people's shepherd. And so we can look to texts like Genesis 48, Psalm 80, and Psalm 23 to remind ourselves that God was to be there in our shepherd. Over time, then, he also began to use this as an image for those he had called to leadership in Israel, to the political and religious leaders. We find this in 2 Samuel chapter 5 and Jeremiah chapter 17. You see, these leaders were put in place by God so that God's people would flourish physically, spiritually. And so when you and I think of a shepherd, we need to think of the person or the thing that you and I are trusting in to lead us to life. You see, a shepherd is the person or thing you are trusting to lead you to life. Now, I'm not just talking about just the existence. Life is so much more than existence. I'm speaking of these three things in particular, safety, satisfaction, and significance. You see, when you experience those three things, you are really living. You see, all of us, in that manner, are looking for someone to lead us. All of us are looking for a shepherd. Why? Because we're sheep. You see, sheep are helpless without their shepherd. 
And we are helpless in this pursuit without the aid of another. And so each of us need to ask ourselves the question, who am I or what am I trusting in to lead me to life, abundant life, a life filled with safety, significance, and satisfaction? You see, there is a problem. Jesus addressed this in Matthew chapter 9. If you recall, it's when Jesus is about to feed the multitudes. And before he does so, he looks on the crowds and he says, and the text tells us that he had compassion on them because they were helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd. Remember, God's people were politically oppressed and many were spiritually blind. And those who were entrusted with their spiritual and political welfares were so derelict in their duties, it was as if they didn't have a shepherd to begin with. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen some pictures of sheep without a shepherd, but it is surprising. They get big and there's like wool everywhere and tendency to lead to disease and things don't go very well for the sheep. And when Jesus sees the people, he sees them like that. You see, the people didn't know any better because they hadn't experienced anything better. These were the shepherds or the leaders they were used to. But now Jesus was on the scene, and he exemplified a qualitatively different type of shepherd. He was the kind of shepherd we all want. He was the kind of shepherd we all need. He was the good shepherd. But we have to ask ourselves the question, what makes him good? Now, I'm going to answer that in three statements this morning. First, the good shepherd is the legitimate shepherd. Second, the good shepherd is a life-giving shepherd. And third, the good shepherd is a loving shepherd. Now, in order for us to understand this passage, we have to understand uh, a bit of the context. Remember, last week, Mark walked us through uh, chapter 9, in which we encountered a blind man blind from birth. Now, if you recall the story, is that um, the, the disciples encountered this blind man, and they had the false assumption that the reason this man was blind was because of his sin or the sin of his parents. Well, Jesus then uses an opportunity not only to correct their false theology, but then also to correct this man's vision so that all of them could see a little more clearly. If you recall, he, he had this multi-sensory reality as he put the mud upon his eyes and he was healed. Well, word got out fast and the religious leaders began to harass him and ultimately expel him from the synagogue. And when he is all alone, Jesus comes and engages him. Now remember, he had never seen Jesus before. And this man comes, but when he hears his voice, what does he do? He recognizes it. That was the man who healed me. And what did he do? He worshiped, fell down in belief and adoration of the one who changed his life. Now, that story is the backdrop for this teaching this morning. And so chapter 10 is, in essence, a theological explanation of what we encounter in chapter 9. Why were the leaders the way they were? Why is Jesus the way he is? And how do we explain this blind man being the only one in the room who could see? And we'll find the answer to that this morning. So let's jump to the passage. So first, the good shepherd is the legitimate shepherd. 
Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. You see, here Jesus differentiates himself from all other supposed shepherds or leaders by virtue of how they enter into the sheep gate. Now, the sheep gate is a reference to the nation of Israel, all right? And so what enables him to come in through that gate is that he was legitimate. All others had to jump the fence. Now, I don't know about, about, know about your college experience, but during my early college experience, I spent a lot of time trying to get into places I had no business being. Um, I crashed weddings, uh, tried to hang out in swanky hotels, and I even tried to jump the fence in a sporting event or two. And the reason why I came in through side doors and tried to jump over fences is because I had no business being there. And so I tried to play the part. I could dress the dress, I could talk the talk, but eventually it would become evidently clear I did not belong. I was not legit. And Jesus says there's a reason why these men, these shepherds need to jump the fence. They have no business being here. He says, but I can show my credentials and be let in. Now, it's here where understanding a bit of first century shepherding practices is so helpful. You see, on the slide behind me, you're going to see a picture of an ancient in-town sheepfold. Now, on this picture, you'll notice that there are you know, three and three-quarter sides, typically four to six um, feet high, and they would often have barbs on top of them, these thorny things to keep predators out. And there would be a large gate guarded by a doorkeeper. Now, what would happen is that after a long day, many of the town shepherds would come and to bring all of their sheep into the sheepfold, and they would entrust them to this doorkeeper care for the night. Well, the next morning, shepherds would start showing up. And so what the doorkeeper would do, he would have to determine who is the legitimate shepherd, who has the credentials. And so when Jesus says that all others had to jump the fence, but he enters by the door, this is what he's referring to that he is the legitimate shepherd of Israel. Now remember, throughout the past several chapters, what has been Jesus, what has he been doing? What has he been fighting? The false conceptions of who he is. He's been showing over and over again that I am the son of God. I am the promised Messiah. I am God in the flesh. Additionally, by using this analogy, by using this image, he's referring to many promises God made about a coming shepherd. We find these in Micah chapter 5 and Ezekiel chapter 34. Now, in Michael chapter 5, we read this. Out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. He will stand and shepherd his flock, and they will live securely, and he will be our peace. In Ezekiel chapter 34, God says, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them. I will be their shepherd. I will make them lie down, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. You see, I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David. He shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. Jesus is saying, the rightful shepherd has showed up at your door. The one 
that God had promised. God's appointed and anointed shepherd is here now, the legitimate authority, the rightful owner of the sheep. He has come, and he is entering in. You see, he had the recognized credentials. But he wasn't merely recognized for his credentials. He was also recognized for his voice. Look what we read next. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. They will not listen to another. Now, Bill Donahue shares an illustration from his own life during his seminary days. He was invited to a local farm of one of his parishioners, and while going and checking out the property, the farmer invited him to come check out his sheep. And he invited him in that moment to come and to call them in for it was time for them to be put back into their fold. And so uh, he says, sure, I'd love to do that. How do I do it? He goes, well, typically I just say, here, come on, sheep. And they come on in. So he goes, all right, I can do that. I'm a city slicker, but I can do something like that. So he goes, come on, sheep. They just don't move an inch. And the farmer begins to mess with him a little bit. He's like, boy, they're 75 yards away. The wind's blowing and their back's to them. You're going to have to like yell louder than that. And so he then yells at the top of his lungs, come here, sheep, come on in. And again, they don't budge an inch. And he starts laughing, and he looks at him and says, don't they teach you the Bible in seminary? Haven't you ever read that the sheep hear his voice and they will not follow another? And barely above his normal voice, he goes, come on, sheep, come on in. And all of them immediately turn and come his way. You see, Jesus is here explaining why are people responding to his voice? Because they recognize the legitimate shepherd. You see, the reason why these sheep could respond in that way is that in their days, they didn't drive sheep like we do today. They led them. And in order to lead them meant they needed to be among the sheep. They needed to care for the sheep. The sheep knew that the shepherd cared and took care of them and would cover all of their needs. And so they trusted the shepherd. And so they made the connection between that voice and what would give them life. That's what the blind man did. It's what we call theologically the effectual call. You see, when Jesus calls, his sheep answer. You see, only his sheep respond to his voice. And what he has done essentially to the blind man and to us is said this, Come on, sheep. Come on in. And if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, that's what he has done for you. That he called the sheep, and not only did he call you generally, he called you specifically. You see, one of the ancient practices, much like we do today with our pets, is that they would give pet names to their sheep. Like, we've got chickens, if you haven't heard. And uh, our chickens have names like Hen Solo and uh, Cluck Rogers and Alpha, and random other things. Well, we kind of know them by name. So not only does he give a general call, he knows you by name. And maybe he even has a pet name for you, a nickname, known only to him. You see, the sheep hear his voice because they recognize the voice of their shepherd. And so what you and I need to ask ourselves in this moment is this, have I heard that voice? 
Have I heard him call my name? The second thing I want you to see is the good shepherd is a life-giving shepherd. Jesus goes on to say, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Now, at first glance, this can seem a bit confusing. Didn't Jesus just talk about some gatekeeper and opening the door, and now he says he is the door? What's going on? Well, what's going on is that there is another sort of sheepfold in Israel. You said you had the in-town sheepfold we talked about, but there's also the out-of-town sheepfold. This was the one that was either a natural structure or a quick man-made device in which the shepherd would watch their sheep when they're a far distance from the village. Now, if you look to the picture behind me, you'll see uh, an illustration of what that might have looked like. What do you see missing? A door, a gate. Guess what the shepherd did? He laid right in that opening. You see, the shepherd was the door. He is what stood between them and harm. It was he who would then lead them out to green pastures. You see, he was guarding, preserving, and seeking the flourishing of their life. And so when Jesus says he's the door, that's what he's speaking of. That in order for them to be, to, to, in order for someone else to harm his sheep, they had to go through him. In order for his sheep to be brought to pasture, they had to go through him. That he was the gateway. That he was the way that they and us would be saved. You see, the shepherd's life both protected their lives and was the gateway to sustain and satisfy their lives. He protects from harm and he leads to life. See, Jesus is the point of access of eternal safety and security. Nothing can separate us from his love. No wind can snatch us out of his hand. We are eternally secure. He will not let true harm, eternal harm, come to any one of us. He is not like those false religious leaders who put the people in spiritual and eternal danger each and every day. He will never exploit you, use you, or abuse you. He protects you. And if someone wants to get at you, they got to come through him. He also leads you to life. He says in verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. You see, Jesus is the gateway to what we really need to live. We need more than food, water, and shelter. We need forgiveness, love, significance, purpose, and hope, all of which he offers to us. He offers us abundant life. To those who enter in through this door, they will be saved. Notice that Jesus says that he is the gateway, he is the door. He doesn't say he's the wall. What do you need to do to get over a wall? You need to climb it. What do you need to get through this gateway? He just lets you on in. You see, he offers to us freely this reality through faith. Through faith in Jesus Christ, you can be assured that you are safe, secure, satisfied, and significant. This was fundamentally different from all the other shepherds. They only wanted to rob, destroy, or diminish your life. You see, they were thieves and robbers. 
And the question you and I need to ask at this point is this. Does the person or thing that I look to to lead me to life, do they take from me or do they give to me? You see, when you look, at, when you look for life in someone or something, they're going to do one or the other. They're going to ask of you. They're going to demand of you. They're going to depend upon you. Or you will have another who will do all things for you. Which is it? It was bringing us to the third reality. The good shepherd is a loving shepherd. Verse 14, we read, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. You see, he knows you and is known. He loves us so much that he wants to know us and to be known by us just as he is known and knows the Father. See the connection. That that relationship becomes the prototype for what our relationship to one another. You may say, hey, that's great that I can have a relationship with God, but see, there's a problem. See, sin has put a separation between us and God. We couldn't get near. That is why what Jesus says next is so important. He lays down his life for the sheep. For centuries, God's people had the practice of sacrificing a sheep as a way, in essence, to, to, to pay the interest while still waiting for that which would pay the ultimate debt. And Jesus says, I am that payment. I will lay down my life to bring the sheep to myself. You see, we must ask the question, how committed is he to love, pursue, and protect you and me? How committed is he to secure this relationship? And the answer, to the grave and back again. In other words, he's willing to pay whatever it costs to bring you to himself. And here's the thing. He has the resources to pay whatever it asks. You see, the good shepherd is a Liam Neeson kind of shepherd. You know what I'm talking about? But unlike Liam Neeson and his character in the movie Taken, he has the money and the skills, and nothing will get in the way of him retrieving his sheep from getting his child. But you and I must recognize this. This offer is not only for you. It's for the world. Notice what he says next, verse 16. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so that there will be one flock and one shepherd. He's preparing them to understand, I want you to experience the wonder of me as your good shepherd, but I want you to understand I got other sheep as well. You see, he's not just committed to you. He is committed to all of his sheep, of all of his children, into creating this beautiful multicultural reality that we call today the church. We hear a lot of talk in our society around us about racial reconciliation and all those things, but understand Jesus is far more committed to the reality of this than anyone we encounter on the TV. He gave his life for the sheep. How committed is he to this endeavor? To the grave and back again. He has the authority. 
And I want you to think for a moment, what does it feel like to be loved and valued like that? How would it feel to be that daughter who was kidnapped, knowing my dad's Liam Neeson? How would it feel to, not, to know not only does he have the skill set, but he has the resources and the authority to span any distance, to, to pay any debt? to engage any danger to bring you back home to himself. You see, what you and I need today is to become reacquainted and reoriented to this kind of shepherd. Missionary Ron Jones once shared some lessons that he learned while ministering during some political uprising and warfare in the Middle East. He wrote this, a friend shared something she observed that was a reminder of God's care for us. She watched a shepherd caring for his flock near the area where guns are fired. Every time the shots rang out, the sheep scattered in fright. The shepherd then touched each of them with his staff and spoke calmly to them. And the sheep settled down and immediately rested because they trusted the shepherd. But then another shot would sound out. But the same routine would happen again. Each time the sheep needed the shepherd to orient them again, to reassure them they were safe. See, when you and I become afraid, we need a shepherd. Someone who promises to lead us to life, safety, satisfaction, and significance. Are you certain that whoever or whatever you are really trusting in is going to come through. When you feel afraid, do you have a shepherd to protect you from all harm? When you feel insignificant, do you have a shepherd who calls you by name and draws you into his arms? When you are hungry and thirsty, do you have a shepherd who will provide for your every need? When you are weak and cannot go on, do you have a shepherd who is both gentle and strong? When you grow distant and lose your way, do you have a shepherd who will go to the ends of the earth to find you and to lead you home? You see, this morning, if you've trusted in Jesus as your Savior, your answer is a resounding yes. You have that type of shepherd. You have the truer and better Liam Neeson. That is your daddy. And nothing will get in his way. But maybe perhaps this morning you haven't. But I want you to know there's still hope. You may have been much like those multitudes that Jesus encountered in Matthew chapter 9 all those years ago. Those who were harassed and helpless because they had no true shepherd. But I wonder right now, are you hearing a voice? Are you hearing that voice that is beginning to call out your name? 
saying to you, come on, sheep. Come on, my loved one. Come on in. You see, I believe in this moment, the good shepherd is calling someone's name. So what do you need to do? Run to him. Run to him. Run to him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, oh, the shepherd of the sheep, Father, we understand this moment that we are helpless. That though we long to be safe, we long to be satisfied, we long to be significant, we realize we don't have the resources. We need another's aid. And Father, may we recognize the voices we are tempted to listen to or the voices we've been following all of our lives. The voices who tell us that they can lead us to real and abundant life. And Father, I pray this morning, as we've gathered around this, your word, Lord, that we have heard your voice. That you've called us and you've soothed us and reminded us of your always and forever never giving up love. And Father, it would allow us to rest in whatever we are facing today, this week, this year. Lord, we thank you that you are a good shepherd. That you are a Liam Neeson shepherd to us who will not let anything or anyone stand in his way. And so, Father, in this moment when we may be feeling all alone, May we speak and preach to our own hearts that the Lord is my shepherd. That even when I find myself in scary places, I am not alone, for you are with me. Your staff and your rod, they comfort me. Surely you will provide for us a table bountiful and full. So in this moment, may we just rest in this wondrous and beautiful reality that you are our good shepherd. We ask this in his precious name. Amen.